Throughout the entire Black Clover franchise, Yamiseki Hiro is probably the best, if not the greatest character the series has to offer. With his monstrous strength, his dark magic coupled with his personality that can be questionable to those who first stumbled upon the series, we can agree that Yami is a character that has impacted those who not only followed the series since the beginning, but also the characters he's encountered leaving a mark on them for many years to come. But the question still remains, what makes someone who is seen as a hard-ass, intimidating, short-tempered, and somewhat of a hypocrite, such a lovable character that many would gravitate to, in the same manner people have with Eraserhead in My Hero Academia. This and many more as we review the latest chapter of Black Clover and analyze more into the captain of the Black Bulls himself. Hey guys, this is Jay from The Nerd Fix, the podcast where we talk about everyone and everything, the anime, manga, video games, and everything under the sun. In this episode, we will be not only talking about the latest chapter in Black Clover, but also examining more into Yami Sukihiro and what makes him an impactful character in general. But before we start, I make new episodes every Sunday and Wednesday talking about everything in the world of anime, manga, video games, and sometimes on the occasion talk about horror stories. And if you are into that type of content, then please make sure to share this around to those who love the same type of interest as well, as this will not only help this podcast, but also spread the word about the nerd fix in general. Without further ado, let's begin. So sit back, relax, and get ready for your fix. In this chapter, it starts off with a flashback with a younger Yamasuki hero who just obtained this grimoire, which turns out that he is the wielder of dark magic. A rare type of magic attribute that allows him to conjure and manipulate the element of dark magic. However, with this, not only was this a negative towards him, but many who knew of Yami and where he was from were immediately quick to judge him by saying things such as, Dark magic? Get away from me! Such a weird, creepy magic. And even worse ones like, You'll bring misfortune to us all! And I knew something of that of a foreigner. Now for those who remember from the earlier episodes or chapters, which your preference is for the series, Yami had a hard upbringing where, for those who haven't noticed and are new to the Black Clover franchise, Yami is not of the Clover Kingdom, and is actually from the Hino Country. Hino Country is what is known as the equivalency of Japan in the Black Clover universe, where it is dubbed as the Land of the Rising Sun. Anyways. Yami Sukihiro was born in Hino country to a pair of fishermen, and life was normal for him until one day, while fishing by himself, Yami shipwrecks and washes along the shores of the Clover Kingdom. There, he was met with a lot of discrimination due to culture shock and racial discrepancies. Basically, if you're not of the Clover Kingdom, you're basically met with a lot of discrimination and racism, which is what Yami was met with throughout a lot of his time growing up. So, kind of like Naruto Uzumaki Syndrome, but a little bit different. But in the next panel, we then notice where we are met with the previous captain of the Great Deer Squad at the time, being that of Julius Novacrona, who was fascinated with Yami's dark magic and was also the one who offered him the invitation to partake in a magic entrance exam from prior episodes or chapters. Again depending on your preference. And we're met with a younger Noct Faust, who would be the future captain 
the future vice captain of the Black Bulls, and the wielder of shadow magic, a magic that allows him to control and manipulate shadows. Serious Gecko Moria vibes there. But at the same time, we are introduced to his younger twin brother, Morgenfaust, whom Yami would befriend and was a nicer one of the twins. And throughout the chapter, we are met with very familiar faces that many of us know and love, while others are a nice refresher to see. We meet Jack the Ripper, who commented on Yami's dark magic, but basically scoffed at it, stating he would win lose no matter what and would later become Yami's rival and drinking buddy, which I find to be very funny, knowing somebody who has a slash magic, but still at the same time, <laughs> he still has the complex that he would still be Yami, no matter what. But no. The next one is, I'm sorry if I butchered the name, Vladik Poizel of the Purple Orcas, the previous captain of the Purple Orcas, commenting that he doesn't care who it is, as long as it's useful to him. So he doesn't care who Yami is, but as long as the magic is useful to him, that's all that matters. We then pan over to Nozelle Silva, who sneered over Yami and his power, despite the fact that Yami is a foreigner. Fuego Leon humbly commented that Yami was not an ordinary person due to his dark magic. Which I can't comment that it's not too harsh on his words, but is humble of him nonetheless. Now, as somebody of a nobleman who is of the Crimson Lions, we can expect that much from uh, Fuegoleon. Fuegoleon is someone who is humble. Yeah, he kind of has that kind of thing where it's like the Fire Lord in a way, but again, he's very humble, which I do respect of him. Then we pan over to his older sister, Mer Leona, who, of course, knowing her, wants to rough him up a bit because she's somebody who loves a good challenge and loves to go up against anyone to prove her strength and dominance. Because, again, this is Mary Leon, huh? She loves to fight anybody that she can go up against. We then pan over to Owen, who is shown with his healing magic, consoling Yami saying not to act so recklessly with his magic. We then pan over to Charlotte Rosalie, <coughs> his lady love. <coughs> Sniding over him fighting so messy, which she expected much from a man. Boa Hancock vibes. But it doesn't take too long until that day, which I will talk about later. But we'll go back to that. We'll go back to that. Finally, we are met with the golden boy, William who never discriminated against Yami, but instead offered that they both work together to protect the Clover Kingdom. Which, again, this is basic of William. Yeah, he's somebody that is the, basically the Golden Boy of the Golden Dawn squad, but he never discriminated against Yami, which I can't respect him for that, but with him being such the Golden Boy, eh, I'm a bit iffy about that, but again, I can respect him, but at the same time, I got my eyes on him. One day, Yami was with Morgan, and the both of them were talking about how, even though Yami liked meeting with the other Magicites, he felt his magic was basically too overwhelming. But Morgan basically said that the magic basically depends on the mage itself. Following up that, suggesting that Yami would be a 
would be a good candidate for a good squad captain. But Yami basically rejects the suggestion saying that Morgan would basically be a good candidate instead. But this would all change as we pan to the next panel where we are seen with a tomb, a gravestone, that of Morgan Faust. And Yami visits Naus, knocked at Morgan's gravestone, and voices his plan to make a squad for Reformages. Mages. For those who, who are unable to find a place in other squads, and for them to let loose. And plan to get strong enough to keep a squad in line. This is where he would make his declaration of creating the Black Bulls. A, a squad where anyone can be themselves and let themselves loose. Those who are outcasts like him can finally have a place where they belong. Here we see flashbacks of how Yami met and recruited each and every single one of the members of the Black Bulls. And with, this would later cause Yami to reflect that perhaps he was the one who finally found a place that he truly belonged. And there was also a previous flashback when he was captured by Xenon and told his subordinates of the Black Bulls to live their life how they choose to live it. We then pan over to Morris, who is fascinated by the dark magic and the effects on the world tree magic from William, to the connection to the tree of Cliff to, to Clip, Clip Holt, stating that it would have a connection to the underworld magic, which has connection to dark magic, which is really, really scary and could be the reason why they need both William and Yami to be able to unlock the gate to release the demons. However, we then pan over to the Black Bull's words echoing in Yami's mind, to which he finally wakes up and hears them shouting his name. Morris, on the other hand, is unconscious, and basically, he's basically out of the game. Yami, who is now awake, laughing, is basically laughing, and questions if they like, if they really love that much, to which the, all of the members of the Black Bulls shout on the top of their lungs that yes, they do love him, to which Yami, with a smile on his face, replies that he feels the same way too, which I will admit, that panel right there actually brought broke me down into tears. Just seeing the, re the beautiful reunion of the Black Bulls and their captain as they are busting their way to bring their captain back. Meanwhile, we notice Noct and the dev and his devils looking down from above, saying, although he finds the squad reckless, he respects them. He respects them for going their way to bring their crap Yami. But below them, William and Yami, the next gate is about to open, which is to mention the end of the chapter, which really brings about a really dark moment that's about to happen next in chapter 314. As I have mentioned before, Yami has made an impact on many people in the franchise that it's unbelievable 
Regarding to the creating the Black Bulls, when recording each member, he recruited a fearless and gutsy kid, Luck and Magna. Luck being one who loves to fight and a bit of a sociopath, but is understood nonetheless. Magna, who's a bit of a gangster, a crook, but was seen more than that. But again, he's good people, but was recruited by Yami. Next was Charmy, which was a bit funny. He was caught. He caught her while, while eating food in a trap. A dwarf who would do anything for food, but he recruited her because he saw something in her that would be a potential, and it did show. He then recruited Henry. That when he found her, when he found him, he was investigating a large house rumored to be haunted, but it was discovered that he was bedridden in a in a house, and knowing that. He didn't want him to be by himself. He promised to bring to bring others to live here and recruits Henry as a squad member of of the Black Bulls. Now, we did see that the curse was was lifted thanks to the help of Gordon, but with all of this, it's really interesting of how someone who was so impactful was able to show what potential he has. In the Black Bulls. We then go to when he recruited Vanessa and Oteca, a woman who a woman he gave freedom to after breaking her from her prison after defeating the Witch Queen. He then recruited no Noel Silva, Nozelle's younger sister, who couldn't control her magic and took her under his wing, even though Nozelle told Noel that she couldn't be a magic knight, as we've seen in episode four, where basically he basically criticized her for wanting to become a magic knight. Which, I will have to say, it was kind of sad of how Nozelle was basically talking down onto his little sister. But it's kind of like the same way of like Byakuya would talk down onto Rukia. But I think it's kind of like the same way. But it just depends on how you see it. And the list goes on. But then we notice when he recruited Asta. A boy with no magic, but Yami recruited him to join the Black Bulls. And it's heartwarming to see this and how he was able to impact others just by despite someone who is a foreigner. One who has a magic that others would see cause misfortune, others would see as creepy. He's impacted others that he's put a mark on other people. Would you now with how he is with the Black Bulls, now, people would think that he doesn't care for them, he doesn't show any kind of empathy towards them, would it make him a bit of a hard-ass? Eh, maybe, but he does show that he does care about the mem- about his squad. Kind of the same way of like a Razorhead, he, he shows that he acts like he doesn't care for Class 1A, but it shows he does care for them, he goes out of his way to protect the students, just like the same way Yami will go out of his way to protect his squad members. And now one of them that I did mention was that of Charlotte Rosalie. Charlotte did comment that his way of fighting was messy, but need I remind you of the moment that happened a day after his 19th birthday and how their birthdays are just a day apart from each other. Aww. Now, a day after his 19th birthday, 
he was enjoying a bowl of noodle soup when the prior magic curse on the house of Rosalie caused the soup to spill onto him. Annoyed, he, w he decided to investigate what was going on and cut it through the briars. He notices a young Charlotte Rosalie being overpowered by the curse. He confronts and chastises her for relying only on herself. And after that point, the curse is halted and the briars dissolve. And from this, this causes Charlotte to fall in love with Yami. Kind of like the same thing of like where a tough, cold, beautiful woman falls in love with an idiot. Kind of the same way where Boa Hancock falls in love with Luffy. So basically it's like a beautiful woman falls in love with an idiot. In the same way. And from what I have noticed from many people who have made theories about what's to come for Yami, many have commented that the demise is for Yami is is eminent, but I have a feeling that it won't because because Tabata has mentioned he has no plans of killing off important relevant characters in the franchise, but even if that's the case, I hope it won't be. Because deep down, I do like the the shipping of Charlotte and Yami, because I have a feeling that maybe Charlotte would confess to Yami sooner after the arc ends, but I will leave it up to the creator of what he will come up with. Other than that, with everything else that I could say about Yami Sekihiro, one reason I really like the character is he is basically impactful, as mentioned before. He shows that he doesn't care for his squad, but deep down, he does. He knows what it's like to be seen as an outcast, which is why each member of the squad is different and unique in their own respective way. Which is why the Black Bulls are seen as a one of the greatest protagonistic squad that we have seen so far in the franchise. And why, to this day, many of us are rooting for them to bring their captain back. Because the army has made such a huge impact on us throughout the franchise. We grew alongside with him since the very beginning. Yeah, he was a bit of a hard ass, but yeah, his intentions are good. His reason for doing so, he has a reason for that. Because... He's pushing their limits, and it's for a good reason, too. But I want to know what you guys think about Yami. What do you think of him? After learning about his backstory, learning a little bit more about his character, what do you think is your your best moment from Yami Sukihiro in the franchise that was memorable? Mine would have to be when he was battling against Dante alongside with As Asta, and also when he was up against Beto. That was also another moment as well. But also another moment I would have to say that I liked the most was when he confronts and chastised Charlotte Rosalie. I thought that was another moment too. Maybe because I'm a bit of a romantic type, but eh, I would have to say that otherwise. But also, let me know what you guys think of this analysis of chapter 313 of, the, of Black Clover, and also a bit of an analysis on, on Yami Sukihiro. But for everyone listening, thank you all so much for listening. 
And to end the episode, whether or not you believe in the term nerd or not, keep loving what makes you, you, and stay awesome. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you all on Wednesday for a brand new episode. Later!